0: Even on a humbler level, he might have remained useful in Parliament indefinitely, he knew. He had both an interest in and a talent for politics, and the discipline that success in that house required. But during every hour of those seven years, he had missed, well, had missed this, the previous work of his life, his vocation, detection, and while evenings in Parliament had been comfortable with their beer and chops and amicable companions— They had given him nothing like the thrill of this cold, wearying night. He was where he belonged again, doing what he was most suited to do. It might puzzle the members of his caste, for Lennox was a gentleman, and nearing the age of fifty more rapidly than he would have preferred, but this disreputable line of work gave him greater pleasure than all the authorities and appanages of Parliament ever could. He did not regret going into politics, having long wished to try his hand at the game of it. Still less, though, did he regret leaving the game behind. The first carriage of the morning passed down Chiltern Street. Nearly every house had a fire lit below stairs now, in the servants' quarters, and in one there was a second bright flicker of heat a story up, where Lennox could see that the head of the family had risen and was taking his early breakfast. A stockbroker, perhaps they often had to be in the city by seven. Another fire, and another. Only one house remained dark. It was directly across the street from Lennox's window, and his gaze was focused steadily upon it. Surely the time was coming, he thought. When another carriage rolled down the street, he followed its progress intently, before observing that there was a coat of arms on its door. That lost the vehicle his interest he doubted that his quarry would arrive in such a conspicuous conveyance. Another fire, another carriage. The sky was growing faintly lighter, the absolute darkness of the sky lessening into a black lavender. Soon enough it would be daytime. Perhaps he had been wrong, he felt with a first hint of unease. He was out of practice after all. But then it came. An anonymous gig— a pair of thick glassed oil lamps swinging from its hood, pulled steadily through the snow by a youthful grey horse. It stopped a few houses shy of the one Lennox was observing, and a man stepped down from it, passing a few coins to its driver, who received them with a hand to the brim of his cap, and then whipped the horse hard, in haste to be on his way to another fair, or home perhaps, who knew? Lennox's eyes were fixed on the person who had dismounted. Certainly it was he, Hughes. Hughes the blackmailer. Hughes the thief. Above all, Hughes the murderer. He was a very small fellow, not more than an inch or two higher than five foot. He was well made, however, with a handsome face and brilliantly shining dark hair. He carried a cloth case with a hard handle. Lennox reached up above his right shoulder and gave the taut white string there one hard, decisive pull. He let it quiver for a moment, and then stilled it with his hand. His heart was in his throat as he watched the criminal, to see if the man would fly, but Hughes continued without any hesitation toward the last dim house in Chilton Street, the one Lennox had been watching. When he was at the door, he peered at the handle for a moment, then opened his case and chose two or three items from it. He set to work on the lock. In what seemed a breathtakingly short time, not more than four or five seconds, he had the door open. It was the skill of a great criminal. He put his tools away quickly and walked inside with quiet steps, closing the door behind him. The house remained dark. Lennox stood and smiled. He counted fifteen seconds, and then walked toward the door of the room in which he had been sitting most of the night. "'careful to avoid moving past the windows where his silhouette might be seen. "'His joints ached. "'His eyes felt at once tired and alive with alertness. "'It wouldn't be more than a moment now. "'It was frigidly cold down on the street, "'and he was thankful as he stepped into the snow on the pavement "'for his rather odd-looking brown cork-soled boots, "'which he had ordered specially because they kept out the damp. "'The rest of his dress was more formal.' his daytime attire, a dark suit, pale shirt, dark tie, dark hat, the only gleam of brightness on his person, coming from the silver of the watch chain that extended across his slender midsection. He lit a small cigar, put a hand in his pocket, and stood to watch, his curious hazel eyes trained across the street. Come along quickly, he said to himself under his breath.